Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. This show is brought to you by The Athletic UK. And remarkably, for the third time in six years of starting Fulhamish, I can say the words again. We are a Premier League podcast. It's great. A wonderful <laughs> evening. Play the a wonderful evening at Craven Cottage as Fulham got a 3-0 win against Preston North End. They got the job done early to set any nerves. Why was I worried? Of course the lads were going to turn up and make sure that they did it in front of a raucous crowd at Craven Cottage. And I'm joined today to discuss all the fallout from last night's celebrations by The Athletic UK's Peter Rutzler. Hello, Sammy. Play the horn. (laughs) Give me two. And Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, Sammy. Play the horn. Right, hang on. Hold on your hats, because I need to get right today. We have a real horn. Stay there. This isn't going to sound that well. Three, two, one. <laughs> Bloody hell, that was Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. That was so loud. <laughs> My neighbours are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> wow. What a start of the episode. I, I can play the classic as well. All the horns. What a day. We are going up. Jack, three word reviews. Let's go. Um, there's loads of them. So I'm going to just read loads of them out because, uh, you know, this is it. I liked my favorite maybe of the lot actually was from Matt Pollard. He said now, not when, um, which was very good. good. Some great tricks with prolific profligate promoted. Enjoyed that one a lot. We saw uh, Michael B uh, with first tier pod. Uh, Richard Bamba, our man soul. Of course, he was getting in here back for good. Matt Wall, Premier League podcast. Dave Kettlehake, third time lucky. Andy, silver service resumed. Rick Cardis with automatic, systematic, hydromatic. Uh, Londinium wow. calling with late Easter resurrection. Ollie with promotion pressed on. Chris Lewis, Peter the promoter. Yes, uh, have and, it. And maybe, maybe the funniest of the lot from Connor Hugh, Rodak should have shot. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the whole shoot thing in the second half. How could I forget? Yes, Peter. Two seasons of becoming Rutzler the Relegator, coined by your colleagues a, a nasty nickname that went round the office. And now you can put on your desk one of those signs that now says Peter the Promoter. How do you feel? Oh, very, very good, Sammy. Very, very pleased. 
even more so because because of missing Derby and the fact that it didn't happen. So while everyone obviously was bitterly disappointed that it didn't happen at, at Pride Park, I was quietly quite 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 pleased because I don't think it would have counted so well if it happened while I wasn't there. So uh, yeah, awesome to be there last night. Fabulous atmosphere, really good performance, and yes, Peter the promoter rises. Let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love how happy you are. Um, Jack, uh, have you had any sleep? Very little, very little. Um, it was a late one. There were uh, many baby Guinnesses consumed. Uh, everyone love was very happy. Duke of Cornwall, Belushi's Hammersmith, Collins Residence. It was everywhere. The party went on long into the evening. So, um, yeah, very, very happy days. Oh, what a night at Craven Cottage. And thank God the lads um, got it done early. I mean, Peter, there did feel like something last night. My head and my heart, I thought Fulham were going to win, but there was always that creeping doubt that Preston could come and spoil the party. Apart from that very early chance that Preston had, where it was a bit of a ping pong in our box, it just felt like Fulham weren't messing around last night. They, they were determined to get the job done. Yeah, they'd had enough faffing around. This was uh, this was business resume. This was um, need to get it done. Need to get the job done with, with those bigger games coming up. And, and as you say, I think it was comfortable from from the start. I think Mario Rodak made a couple of really important saves at the beginning of the game, um, both off deflections. I think one one from close range. The other one was a dipping volley, which is hard. They're hard to read. So those, those were key moments because. Fulham started pretty composed on the ball. It felt pretty good. And then there was that Preston spell and you just felt the edginess, that sort of edginess that clearly had been creeping around the fan base. I've seen it all on social media from people I speak to. It's you know, unnecessary because it's going to happen. Fulham are going to go up, but it's it was just there. And, and those saves were really important. And to get an early goal, great play from Joe Bryan on the left. And then the man himself, Alexander Mitrovic, to, to score just... Basically got the party started. You know, Fulham were on it. Tempo was good. The way they played the ball was good. There was intent. You know, that this was it. No more messing around. Time to get it done. I mean, Jack, there was just a little bit of a reminder that Fulham actually are good. I feel like in the last few weeks, everyone's been saying, oh, we haven't been that good in recent weeks. We've been, we've been off it. And a lot of that criticism is true. I'm not here saying mm. that it isn't. But I think last night was just that reminder that actually when Fulham want to turn up, when we turn it on, when we do get early goals, we can blow teams away. We'll face tougher sides than Preston next year. But it was just one of those evenings which we've seen so many times this season where Fulham control it pretty much from the first goal to the 90th minute. Yeah, I think that. I mean, look, we're going to face better sides than Preston for the rest of this campaign, never mind next year. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to go and do that. It's another thing now to kick on and try and win this title that I think, you know, most people will, ag will agree that Fulham firmly deserve this season after the performances we've seen. So, yeah, in, in so many ways, yesterday was a nice thing in that, you know, Peter's right. And if we didn't win yesterday, it it probably wouldn't have stopped Fulham going up. To be perfectly honest with you, I think there was probably like quite a high possibility that Fulham could have lost every game for the rest of the season and we would have been promoted. But we definitely wouldn't have won the league if that was the case. It would have been, you know, a slide to second and, a, and it would have been nervy and tetchy and no one would have enjoyed it. So to go and win in such convincing fashion, to be 3-0 up at halftime, to settle the nerves, yes, we were a little bit wasteful in the second half. Um, but ultimately, it didn't hugely matter. I think Preston had mostly given up 
by that point as well. There wasn't many fans to real roar them on. And again, there's no no disparagement. It's it's a long way from Preston on a Tuesday night with nothing to play for, especially when the game gets moved a relatively late notice. So, you know, lots going on there. And it did feel like the second half was a bit of a procession. Um, now I wonder if if that is the kind of thing that kicks Fulham on to go and finish the season strongly, to make a point, to win these remaining games and go up in style and and make sure that you know top spot is absolutely secure. Look, winning the league and not winning the league makes no difference really in terms of actually getting there. Right, coming second and first. There's not a huge difference, but I think for mentality, for the ability to to go and be like, we won the league, for the fact that there'll be silverware. You know, obviously, Fulham haven't lifted a trophy since the Intertoto Cup uh, all the way back in, in 2003, 2004. So we obviously haven't seen that that done for a little while. And I think it's important now to go and, you know, kick on after what has been such a brilliant season and make sure that that's secure. And, I, you know, we've seen Marco Silva saying something similar to the players. He said, you've already earned this. Now go and take it. You know, it's, it's it's there in front of you. Go and take what you've already earned. Um, yeah, that clip going round on socials, I think Fulhamish posted it on Twitter. It was originally posted by the Skybet Championships um, Twitter account of Marco Silva's dressing room talk after the match. Um, it's just brilliant to watch. And I think you just see the togetherness um, in the side and how, you know, the squad really hanging on Marco Silva's every word. It is fantastic. And yeah, as Jack said, he, he told them that they deserve to win the title and they need to go and win it. Um, Peter, the second goal... If Mitrovic's goal had already settled the nerves, Fabio's pretty much set the cottage um, into party time. Brilliant anticipation from Fabio. That's the the unknown quality, I think, of his game. I think that's what maybe some Premier League fans and Liverpool fans maybe just don't realise that Fabio has. Is incredible intelligence. That deflection from Cabano's cross, he's the first to react. And it, it, that's, I think, what we've seen all season. He's just so quick and he just anticipates brilliantly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why... You know, when you watch him, you you think you can see that he's a top level talent. He's a a really um, naturally gifted player, um, and that's because he's quicker, not just physically, as we saw for that goal, running in and 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 nipping the ball with ahead of the defender and into the net, uh, but also um, mentally. He reads the game extremely well. His in-game intelligence is very good. He finds pockets of space. He reads where the ball is going. Um, and I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding last night. Um, ran the show really. Um, Preston could not handle him. He got kicked so many times, uh, and most of the time, most of the time wasn't uh, malicious. It's just because he was quicker than his counterparts. Um, and yeah, it, it was deserving that he got a goal. Um, it sort of reflects just how important he's been to Fulham this season. Um, why you know he has been consistently selected by Marco Silva, um, always pretty much first name on the team sheet um, after Alexander Mitrovic now. Um, and uh, yeah, a, a fitting performance. And as you say, he's just quicker, he's, he's, he's more intelligent and that's, that's why he's going to Liverpool. Uh, and, and Jack, the third goal, I felt like personally, it's quite poor goalkeeping from Daniel Everson in the, in the Preston net, but it, it's low, it's struck hard, it's struck quickly, he doesn't have a lot of time to set himself and... To be honest, I felt like Fulham's performance deserved a little bit of of luck or uh, poor goalkeeping. And 3-0 was not an undeserved scoreline. And, and it wasn't a clang arriver. 
No, I, I don't think so. And, and look, he's been excellent this season, Everson. Um, it's worth pointing that out. And I know a lot of Preston fans have been really, really impressed, you know, with him as a kind of, you know, as a point of interest. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's hit early, isn't it? And, and the way that it sort of flashes past him low. You see keepers struggle with those kind of strikes quite a lot. Yes, maybe he can do a little bit better if he sees it better. But, you know, I, I think what we're looking at here is, is is a really good early strike that's caught him kind of unawares. And, and, and ultimately, I don't think you can have too many qualms about the way that it, it goes past him. He, I thought he had quite a good game, Everson, to be perfectly honest with you. The save from Mitrovic in the second half um, it, it was just absolutely outrageous. Yes, he should score, but it's an absolutely ridiculous save at the, at the same time. And, you know, we're talking of saves. I know you mentioned it earlier, but Marek Rodak, I thought, was absolutely sensational last night. Um, yeah. And after two performances where people have questioned him, and, you know, and, and rightly so as well, um, because there were two performances with real issues, um, he made a save in the first half, as you say, from that deflection. We spoke about this after the Coventry game where I was like, I don't know how Mitrovic's bounced up shot didn't go in. The fact that the keeper's weight was to one side and he managed to sort of claw it out. Rodak did something very similar for that first save last night. And I was really impressed with him, with his kind of, um, with his claiming ability, with, with his kind of vociferousness in the box. It all felt like he just finally got his head back where he needed it to be and be like, right, this is, you know, this is my jump. This is still my jersey to lose. You know, yes, there might be other people linked and yes, that might be tricky for me to say it's still my jersey and it's still my jersey to lose. And and I thought that was nice to see last night, you know, him really coming back to the fore. Uh, and Peter, just one player that I wanted to single out for praise and look, everyone had, had put an eight in put an eight or more out of ten in last night. But I just thought that Joe Bryan was electric um down the left. It's a wonderful assist for the first, the kind of no look pass. He kind of I think the Preston defense thinks think he's gonna cross it into the middle, and then he just dinks it to his left. Perfect weight on the pass for Mitro just to, to slot it in. A striker's dream. And interesting how he's come into the side just towards the end of the season and kind of staked his claim in the side. Reminds me a little bit of when Niskins Cabano came into the team at the very end of the Scott Parker promotion season and made uh, an instant impact. Long term, that didn't work out brilliantly for Cabano. He didn't play many minutes when we actually went up to the Premier League despite having such a big impact but Joe's having a little bit of a similar renaissance yeah he's having a really good run isn't he and, and yeah last night was definitely the the standout performance obviously with promotion on the line step forward Joe Bryan that's just hey. how it works um but you're right I think the assist was, was very clever I mean he obviously he, he keeps possession I think it's Cabani plays on the ball and he, he manages to tackle two defenders send both of them to the deck which which always looks good um, and then, as you said, a weighted pass. I think it was his weaker foot, wasn't it? His right foot. Um, so um, a, a clever assist. And and yeah, he he has just kept his place. He didn't play against Coventry, having played against QPR Middlesbrough. And I think with the way that game unfolded, and, and maybe maybe it was a defensive thing because you know Fulham kept kept two difficult, important clean sheets against QPR and Middlesbrough. Um, came back in, had a really difficult night on Friday against the EBOA on that on the right hand side. A really talented player. Um, I thought he did okay against him. I, I mean, it was quite clearly a, a tricky one on one. But he's he's come into the team. Obviously, he's very experienced in these situations. And and yeah, when when you when you put in performances like he did last night, then you know then you keep in your jersey. And we've seen that. We've seen that with Dennis Adoy uh, before he moved in January. The fact that he was playing well meant that you know Kenny Tetter wasn't going to come straight back into the team. Um, it's clearly that so clearly Silver has, has favoured Robinson this year because he's had more minutes. Um, 
and he and when asked about that he says it's it's, it's to do with his sort of profile and why he'd prefer him probably to do with the speed as well um but you know he's come in he's been technically sound he's been solid and for a game like that where there, where there is where you just want to get it done you want to be consistent and having someone with the experience of Joe Bryan has has made the difference and yeah a really good performance I think one of the things about Joe's performance last night was that I didn't think he necessarily started very well. Um, I actually thought the game started to pass him by a little bit in the first kind of 10 minutes or so. And it was actually the bounce that gets that into his path to win the challenge. It bounces into his path nicely. He puts the ball in for Mitrovic, who scores, and suddenly it's like watching a different player. Like he, the, the confidence of that moment seemed to inspire in him produce one of the you know performances of the season in, in that position. And I was really, really impressed because the first part of the game, I was like, oh, Joe Bryan doesn't, you know, he passed a few out of play. It was a couple of wayward crosses. Um, and I was just like, oh, this just isn't really going anywhere. And then suddenly he has that moment and you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's completely changed the facade of what, what this looks like. And I thought that was kind of an, an interesting you know, point in, on that and that how much one moment of, First, you know, a, a bounce that goes his way and then a moment of sheer quality that's been finished can change a player's mindset. And it was almost that confidence that sort of to flow back through everyone. And it was like, right, suddenly everyone looked happier, looked more, you know, more aware, more alert. And, and Fulham were then tearing through Preston at will for a while. Yeah. And then, Jack, the second half was just a little bit of a procession. Uh, Mitro missed that chance to make it for Fulham had a couple of opportunities, but it was almost exhibition stuff, really. I think maybe the players were slightly saving themselves for Saturday, knowing that they had a day's less rest than Bournemouth will do um, for that big match on on Saturday. It, but it, it became kind of Harlem Globetrotters kind of performances, just, just knocking it about, trying ridiculous long balls. Seri came on just to kind of rub salt in the wound with a few Hollywood passes of his own. <laughs> Fulham were just there to entertain the crowd. The crowd had long forgotten about the match and were singing much more about the fact that we were going on the pitch. Yeah, well, it was a really strange one and obviously I'm, I'm sure we'll get to it, but it did feel like it was kind of pocket singing about on the pitch and then suddenly that line of stewards came out and it was like, well, that's a challenge. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 then it went from being pockets of people going, oh, we're on the pitch to the entire Hammersby then singing it. So um, I, I do wonder if that was potentially you know a red rag to a bull in in, in many ways um but yeah I, I think there's a lot you know going on and and, and that second half was yeah like you say it, it just felt like plain sailing they just didn't feel like there was that much that could have gone wrong you know they, they there was that first Preston attack which goes across in the first minute and you think right see out the first five and this is going and Preston won't score more than one like and obviously they didn't score at all but if the first one goes in two minutes after half time, you're going, oh God, you know, there's a long way left and a two, two goal leaders, as they say, most dangerous lead in football. Um, I, I disagree with that. I feel like a one goal lead is more dangerous than a two goal lead considering you can lose it in half the time. But, you know, the way that it looks and the way that the momentum can swing, I just felt that seeing off that first five was then and, and look from there, Fulham should have should have and could have scored a couple more. We had the two of his Mitro chances. And I thought it was interesting that when he got subbed off, he wasn't angry. Normally you sub Alexander Mitrovic off on a, on a hat trick and he's going ballistic. But you could go to him like Silver and be like, look, mate, you're not going to get two better chances than the ones you were just afforded. You're going to have a rest. You're going to have a rest. And he's like, yeah, probably to be fair. Um, like, he's like, that's, that's that. And um, there you go as you say, saving for the weekend and, and the chance to go and do it all again at Bournemouth. So yeah, it felt like a procession in so many ways. We were a little bit maybe unfortunate not to get another goal, but 
it didn't huge amount. It would have been nice for TC to get one. That would have been that would have been the crowning on the cake for me if TC had managed to whip one in as the ball was pinballing around the box in the 89th minute. But you know, I'm not going to make any complaints about a convincing three 0 win at home that seals promotion. I uh, see the ones that I I think Harrison Reed had a couple of chances last night, and then the one that really made me a little bit sad was Cabano free in the box, and he tried the cut back to Seri, which was on. It was on. He just got it slightly wrong, and the Preston player made the interception because we haven't had either a Seri or a Reed goal. And if we can get both of them to score, then every outfield player pretty much this season will have got a goal for Fulham. I think time is running a little bit out now, um, but I thought that that was maybe the moment where they could have gone and done that. Um, Peter, what were the uh, post-match celebrations like from from your vantage point in the uh, in the Johnny Haynes? Oh, they look fun. It did look a lot of fun. I think uh, it's a strange one in, in, a, in a press position because obviously everyone's on the pitch and, you know, celebrating and you're just sort of, typing up your, your loose loose bits of your very long read. Um, and then uh, you're not sure where to go. And I, I we went down into the press room and then I was sitting there in the press room and then I was just like, I don't need to hear from the Preston guys. They're coming back out, aren't they? So I went straight back. And obviously I, I came back out, and but a lot of people had obviously been on the pitch and then, then left the pitch and then, then gone and then realised that the players are then going to come back out, which is a little bit sad, but hope, hopefully there'll be another chance to do it once if if Fulham can uh, secure the title. Um, but yeah, no, it looks so much fun. It did look a lot of fun. I could, I could see Moon is absolutely lapping it up. Um, <laughs> he really threw himself into it, didn't he? Uh, Marco Silva getting hoisted up at one point. Um, the Mitrovic thing when the players came back out and they were lifting him up when uh, when Gala came on. Um, no, it was, it, was, it was really good, really good fun. I think Callum Chambers just popped up next to me. Uh, oh, really? Prep- yeah. I think it was Callum Dennis, Chambers. Dennis Adoy was apparently there as well. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see Dennis, but yeah, Callum Chambers just appeared. So um, yeah, all the vibes, everyone was there. So uh, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, I also didn't go on the pitch for this one. I went on the pitch for Derby and I was with my dad and I I couldn't see my dad climbing over uh, two advertising boardings and having a wrestle with a steward because they were trying to stop people. I think you had to have a, you had to have a yard of pace about you. There was there were only a few stewards trying to stop. It was really weird. Like there was a couple of stewards at the bottom of the Hammersmith then helping people get over. And then there was like three in a row who were like, nope. And I remember my brother said to me at the time, he was like, I heard someone say to the steward, what are you doing? Just let them do what they want. Like there's thousands of them. And the bloke was like, nope, they're not coming through me. And I was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, like you have to be there to show face. The club have to be like, oh, well, we tried. Um, but ultimately, like, <laughs> I said to Stuart afterwards, I was like, fair play. And he went, what do you mean fair play? He's like, it was thousands of people. What could I have done? <laughs> like, well, fair enough. Um, it was a couple of them fun. just woke up in the morning and fancied a bit of a, fancied a couple of rugby tackles. But oh, yeah, mate. I think my, I think my dad, um, six months after a knee op, I don't think would have taken one of those uh, challenges too well. So um, we stayed in the stand. It was thoroughly enjoyable from there, but I had no idea the players were going to come back on either. So I'd, I kind of had gone by the time the presentation um, happened, which was a little bit of a shame because I just assumed that the players wouldn't come back out, but they did. Um, Peter, I mean, it was the classic stuff. Um, champagne was out, celebrations on the pitch. Um, but hopefully you'd like to think that, yeah, as you say, if we can win the title by Luton, surely there will be a proper trophy parade then when, when the fans can celebrate properly. It'd be a bit more of an event, you just thought. Well, well, the big question would be about an open top bus, wouldn't it? So, you know. Does it happen on the same day? 
I don't no. Think, no, 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 not the same day. But I'm just just putting it out there. You know, I looked up the route for the last time Fulham had an open top bus period, oh yeah. by the way. Um, and This is the research we want. It started at the cottage and then I was on this, but obviously I didn't remember the route because I was like four. Um, but like it went up from the cottage, went up to the Fulham Palace Road, turned right where the Fulham club shop used to be, went past the oh, yeah. shop, turned left there and swung all the way up to, to Fulham Town Hall, which is obviously at Fulham Broadway in... Full sight of Stamford Bridge, oh. <laughs> um, which I suppose is the natural place to have a you know a, a celebration, but equally still a bit weird. Yeah, that doesn't feel like. I assumed it would just be kind of like a lap of like the the roads around the Stevenage Road and Finley Road and Fulham Palace Road. Do you think but, people yeah. would go? I'm always a yeah. bit confused with this. Uh, like, I'd like to go and I'd like it to happen, but do you reckon lots of people would go? Like, it's just a bit like. I don't know. I think, I mean, look, I do think that the circumstances are slightly different from 2001, but I still think, yeah, people would definitely go to that hundred percent. Like it would be a chance just to have a bit of a day out, a few um, beers and stuff like that. And, and see an open top bus doesn't happen very often, does it? As Peter says, you can't win the league and not have an open top bus. And Peter, I'm with you, but um, I'm with you, but I just wonder <laughs> if they would be a bit concerned about turnout. Uh, that's, that's all I'd be worried about, but alas, yeah. it's probably fine. Nah, just a big win on Saturday, then everyone will definitely be up for it. Um, Peter, we haven't mentioned it yet. Um, your big long read uh, came out straight after the match. How silver powered Fulham to promotion, igniting Mitrovic, reshaping rooms and introducing birthday cakes. Uh, the exact headline um, we wanted. Um, and we're expecting, fourth, I think. Yeah. Very um, half. Half a dissertation's worth of words in there. I read the whole thing this morning. It was brilliant. And and just for me, got into the kind of minutiae of what Silver and his backroom team, who don't get the credit that Silver does, um, did last summer. And you forget all about the kind of delay of Silver coming in. And he had a lot to do. You know, one of the, there's so many lazy takes today. There's so many lazy takes on all of the mid channels. Oh, it's relentless. Yeah. Oh God! If I see another joke saying about how Fulham and Norwich don't play each other every season, I honestly might just throw my phone out the window. Yeah, they weren't there at Carrow Road when Steph Joe made the silence at James Madison, or they wouldn't, uh, or they wouldn't be making this kind of baseless, baseless accusation. Um, oh, I can't wait for Fulham to be back in the Championship 23-24. So anyway, it just shows that. And, and one of them obviously was the, oh, well, with Fulham's parachute payments, of course you're expected to go up. But it was a lot more difficult than that. There was a lot more to it. Fulham was a, a bit of a mess in the summer. Also, was- like, as if the other two clubs didn't get parachute payments, <laughs> as if West Brom didn't get them and Sheffield United. And like, oh, okay, cool. They've, they've stormed the league, haven't they? They've done well. Like, what, what, what weird thing to suggest. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, money, money doesn't, Win you things. Yeah, of course it does. Of course, it's a massive advantage. And Fulham squad that they've built over five years—that's that's that is the key factor. It's the players that they have, but that doesn't that doesn't automatically entitle you to success. I mean, look at Man United. Um, and as Jack says, the other clubs with with parachute payments. Um, but you're right, Sammy. I think I think I was important to get across from the piece that it has that context of last summer because. Last summer was not great, really, in terms of a preparatory perspective. The delay with Scott Parker's exit, you know, the fact that you had Stuart Gray as an almost interim coach for pre-season at the start. You know, they had it was Colin Mogbeam was helping him, Jack Grinstead, who's a physical performance coach as well, just helping the players, getting them ready before Silver came in. Obviously, Silver was in quarantine. Um, 
and then to have that impact in that short amount of time and i think we saw it very quickly how uh, the sort of impact that he was having both in terms of style of play and how the players were pulling together um crewman went well they kept their key players there wasn't that there was a lot of worry about players that fulham would lose as well especially the younger ones um and all, all of that sort of were the were the building blocks to it and 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 within the within the piece, you sort of explore the different elements of of what Silver sort of implemented. A lot of it was was interesting. I mean, from a training sort of perspective, it was it's not. It may seem like it's tactically complex, but it actually has been quite straightforward, quite simple. Um, we talked about set plays and things like that, which they they dedicate a lot of time to, um, and they do work on these patterns. But they're not. It's not complicated. It's it's had the buy in of, of the players, um, and it and Going back to the squad, you know, the squad, a lot of them know each other for a long time now. It's quite a close group. There's no cliques in the group and that that helps. And the, the things that got pulled out for the headline, but those are the little details that just just bring that group together, just make, just push them closer together again. Um, and and yeah, and, and, and the outcome has been so impressive. You know, we're talking about a team that's two goals off 100 goals this season. Um, that's the first team since the 19th century to win seven nil twice away from home in this division. You know, the, the, this is these are big numbers, um, and it is a very very special achievement um, the way they've done it. Um, players that have been brought back in, you know, and this is the other thing too. Just going back to the summer, you know, we're thinking of the likes of Tim Ream, who's been immense. Dennis Adoy was so important until until he left in January. Alexander Mitrovic, obviously. Um, you know there are a lot of players there that weren't necessarily in, a, in the most in the best frame of mind after another difficult Premier League season. So um, to bring everyone together, get them all on side, on the same page, implement a new philosophy, absolutely rip up the league. Sure, sure yeah, the, the money's absolutely massively important, but there was a lot more to it, and it's um, hopefully hopefully you get a get a sense of that from my uh, my half dissertation, as you put it, Sam. It is really really. Really worth your time reading this. It was uh, you can get the you can get the athletic right now for one pound a month for the first six months by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Even if you just subscribe to read that one piece, um, you know, you could probably stretch that out over a few days of holiday um, if you want. Um, it's it's a real epic, but it's really worth it. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod if you don't subscribe to The Athletic already. I got quite emotional reading this morning. Now, part of that was probably the inevitable <laughs> hangover. Beginnesses. Um, <laughs> but... I, I did. It did make me quite emotional. So um, I, I could only add my voice of consent to uh, to how good it was as a read. Yeah, and you just realise that so much has happened this season, and and it's it is all of the small things. And look, it's easy for a team to have togetherness and and high morale after a, a brilliant season like this but it does feel like a particularly together group and Jack obviously all the players uh, went out last night um, celebrating uh, most of it we were able to do a code from Tom Kearney's Instagram <laughs> story um, there was one moment which as I said before looked like some kind of weird dream where a load of dancers came into a very tight nightclub I thought it was a coach at first I'd imagine it it's, probably, so, I imagine it's probably a private room yeah 
but it was so narrow. I thought I genuinely was like, are they on a coach or like some sort of fun disco bus or something like that? Um, yeah, a load of dancers wearing American football helmets with sparkling bottles of, of champagne. Um, all the players just filming it on their phones, um, singing along to Baby by Justin Bieber and then Angels by Robbie Williams. Uh, I'm not sure who the DJ was, but maybe um, uh, maybe need an upgrade for the, for the title party, Jack. Yeah, it, it was there was there was a lot going on. It was it was a bit it was a bit of a mad thing to be perfectly honest with you. Um but but ultimately they looked like they were having fun and you know what who can deny them that after the season we've had. So uh, I was glad that they got to let their hair down a little bit. I imagine there's probably been a day off today, has there Peter? There has been a day off yeah. today. And they get back on it and, <laughs> and go and win the league at Bournemouth on Saturday. That would be good. And one thing I wanted to just up touch on, Jack, you know, we were talking a little while ago about how, um, you know, this Fulham team could be the greatest championship team of all time. We now know that reaching 100 points um, isn't possible. And I guess that was one thing from the Coventry and Derby defeats. That I felt like I was like, any more of this and you're going to take the shine off promotion. It's going to be very difficult for Fulham to get four wins out of four, given the fact that we're playing teams all in the top six. All of them have loads to play for. I actually think if Fulham could get over 90 now, I think it wouldn't be a bad achievement from here. You'd like to think we'll get over the 100 goals. I think but so. looking back over the season as a whole, this is still a special season, right? Like it's uh, Yes, maybe it's not going to go down in championship or second tier folklore, maybe as a team perspective, but there's still plenty of things that we've achieved this year that are remarkable, notwithstanding just Mitrovic's individual um, season. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair enough. It, it just is one of those, isn't it, where you like, obviously you don't want to, to drop points at this at this point because there's an element of it that you're looking at and thinking, you know, you don't, you don't want this to slide away after such a great year. And it was going back to what we said at the start, right, um, about the fact that, you know, we're looking at we're looking at this season and thinking if you come second in this, people are going to be mad. People are going to be angry. Um, and that shouldn't, you know, the kind of the main reason to not come second in some ways is is that you want it to be remembered as the season that it was, not the season that it could have been um, or the season that was let slide right at the death, even though promotion was still ultimately secured. Um, and I don't think we've ever really had a story like that in in, in, in the division, to be honest, not of late at the very least, um, where the team who were out comfortably in front got promoted and then let the actual championship slide. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to watch how these last four games play out. Um, you know, obviously Bournemouth have that game in hand, but if we were to beat them at the weekend, it would take us 12 points clear with us having three games left and them having four. With our goal difference, that makes us champions, um, is ultimately where it is. So, so there's that to consider as well, right? In that there would be almost a... Yes, I think with the non-100 points thing now, if Fulham are to win at the weekend, then I think it almost doesn't matter quite as much what happens in the final three games. Obviously, it would be good to go out with a bang. But if you secure that champion spot, and I think you know, you'd know you want to win the game, the last home game against Luton, you know, for the crowd and for the, the whole atmosphere of, of what it is. But I think if you win at the weekend, it's kind of done you're like it doesn't it doesn't hugely matter what happens in the last three games because it would basically secure Fulham as champions and I think with the 100 points gone you want to see the 100 goals yes we'd love to see Mitrovic smash, smash the 42 and the 43 records if he gets a hat trick of the weekend and Fulham win 3-0 I think everyone just be like that'll do thanks very much like <laughs> we're Sign you, off. Can, you can literally play the kids for the rest of the season I don't think anyone would be that fast um so yeah it, it's one of those isn't it yeah there, there's lots of ways to look at it but Finish the season, 
secure the championship, break the records that are left to break, and then after that, enjoy yourselves. And, and, and look, maybe I think I think with it secure now, Fulham might. It, it looked like you know once we scored yesterday, Fulham relaxed, right? It was like, wow, we're good at this. Like we should do this more. Um, and over the last couple of games, it's been a bit nervy. It's been a bit like, oh, get over the line. Bro. Um, and I wonder if now just Fulham relax a little bit more because the actual work of getting to the top flight is done. No, you, you, I think you're right, Jack. So I, I spoke to Tim Ream afterwards and it was interesting just what the players sort of felt about these last couple of games. You know, obviously former, they wobble, but it's by Fulham standards. It had, it had a back-to-back defeats, isn't it? First time all, all season. And, and he mentioned that he thought like, maybe the pressure had got to them a little bit, like just a little bit of extra pressure, not a lot of pressure, but they wanted to get it done. Then it becomes a bit more of a, a stress, doesn't it? Um, Especially but, if you go uh, behind, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, there's everyone's anticipating the result and everyone wants it to happen. And when it doesn't, it's, it's difficult. But, but the, the, the fact now that, you know, once those goals went in, the, the pressure did sort of go. And, and now for them, it's like, Ah, we, we we can play now with a little bit more freedom than we were already, and and I think I think he said uh, that's that's a scary thing, um, probably for everyone else, I suppose. But um, I think you're right. I think it, it will open things up for them, and, and just now that it's done. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, we're going to take a break there, and then we're going to have a quick preview of Saturday's trip to the South Coast against Bournemouth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy James here, and I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Peter, the promoter. (laughs) Hello, hello. Bournemouth on Saturday, uh, remarkably a three o'clock kickoff down at the South Coast at the Vitality Stadium. Um, I'm not going. I'd like to be going. Mm. I'm annoyed that I can't go. Loyalty points, rubbish. Um, If anyone has a late pull out on the day, let me know. I'd love to go, but I'm, I've kind of accepted that I'm probably not. I'm going to just have to find a dodgy stream uh, to watch it. Uh, Peter, you will be there though. So you can be our eyes and ears down on the South Coast, the Rutzler Derby. And I mean, it's going to be a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously the players will have been out on Tuesday night. They've got a day off on the Wednesday. Bournemouth played on Monday. So they already had an extra day's rest. Um, so it's going to be a tricky one to go there. And Bournemouth have picked up a bit of form lately, a brilliant 3-0 win over Coventry, which probably put any of the doubts over automatic promotion mostly to bed. I think there was a chance that Forrest might catch them. That's pretty unlikely now. It's going to be a difficult game. Like we, I'd love to think that Fulham really will get one over Scott Parker, but it's just not going to be that simple. And, and Yes, I don't think Bournemouth have been very impressive this season. I know there's discontent amongst the fan base about how they've gone about things this year. They've had some shocking results, including that defeat in the FA Cup to to Boreham Wood. But they have got 77 points this year. They are probably going up in second and we can't just go there expecting Fulham to, to walk all over them. No, I think I think with with Bournemouth, when they when they are good, they, they can be very, very good. Um, they've got a really good 
squad. They've got um, in Dom Solanke, they've got a very good centre forward as well. Um, and I think the, the, the interesting thing with them is, I think, and we saw that when 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 they came to to Craven Cottage, um, when they adapt things, when they really properly sort of alter the way they approach for specific games, they, they can be very, very effective. Um, but you're right, there have been some very frustrating, um, poor performances, some of which would be reminiscent for, for Fulham fans during the, the Scott Parker promotion season. Um, and the points on the board really have put them in a, in a good position where the, those stumbles that they've had in recent weeks haven't really cost them too much. Now, I think the pressure is more on them this weekend for oh, certain, yeah. obviously, <laughs> yeah. um, because as much as you know, for, things went their way over Easter in terms of one the, the win over Coventry, um, but also Forest defeat at Luton. Um, if Fulham win, Forest win. It's Bournemouth Forest is coming up very soon, isn't it? I actually think it's uh, it's the second last game of the season. Second last game of the season. Okay, so it's it's not too far off. So it's not inconceivable that Forest can catch them. Um, but it would need a, a a massive stumble, and I think the, the quality that they have, and, and we did see that in their performance against Coventry, they won three 0 um, They tweaked things. I think Solanke went back to playing as almost a second striker for that for that performance. Um, that they they have enough, they have enough to get over the line, and I think even some of the recent results have suggested that's what they've been looking to do. You know, the nil nils against Middlesbrough and Sheffield United, which which are tricky games. Admittedly, they're tricky games, but. Um, and, and I imagine we'll get a. I can't. I can't see it being as intense as it was at Craven Cottage. Um, that had a, a really unique feel. That that game. There was a lot of different emotions, sort of flowing into it from from different angles within that within that game. Lots of different uh, narratives, shall we say, yeah. um, of which I don't think are as potent this time. Um, but but it matters. It, ma- it certainly matters. Matters to Fulham. It will matter to Scott Parker. It will matter to Bournemouth. This is for them. If they have any hope of winning the league, they have to win. Um, it is a title decider, pretty much. Um, I say decider. It is a title influencer to a great degree. Um, because Fulham, it can, it can it, decide the title. No, right? I mean, because if, Fulham, if Fulham win, the title's decided. Sure. And yeah, okay, maybe if Bournemouth win, the title's not decided. But almost then, the title's in the air like it's in it's... play it, it's more in play because of Fulham's fixtures Forest next is you know that's a hard game uh, and then Luton and Sheffield United finish again both tough games I mean it's yeah I think Fulham had the, have this, the hardest or I think the hardest running I think I saw saw a couple of stats doing the rounds on we that mu- but... we must we must do even if you even have, I, I've also seen the same tables but we must have the hardest running yeah, it's almost it's... impossible for us not to we literally play um, second fourth fifth and sixth yeah so it, it's it's rather difficult, um, but yeah. I, either way, it'd be, it's, it be it is a good contest. The last game was re- was really enjoyable from a neutral perspective because of how the two teams tested each other, and and in all likelihood, this is the sort of a sort of Premier League game because the two squads are going to be different next season, and there's no doubt about that. But in terms of the basic remedies of both and how they set up, this is a precursor to that. So um, hopefully, it serves up a a worthy contest. Yeah, Jack, it probably doesn't have that same meaning as the game back in December because that was Scott Parker's first visit to Craven Cottage and Fulham at that time had just overtaken Bournemouth. We were much more neck and neck. I can 
just about see why Sky didn't go for this as a match. I'm still surprised, but I can see that there's less riding on this from a neutral point of view. I think it matters a lot to Fulham and Bournemouth fans. It possibly doesn't mean much to, to anyone else. Um, but yeah, Scott Parker's team came with a game plan um, back in December and we weren't lucky to get out of it. We absolutely battered them into submission in the second half, but it was still a late equaliser that Fulham needed to, to rescue us. Um, and, and Parker will be determined once again to kind of almost prove that his philosophy is the superior one, even if probably the evidence over the whole season suggests that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, it would put them within three points of us if they were to win their other game in hand as well, right? So it, it does re-liven that title race as uh, if, if they were to go to beat us at the weekend. So... There's all these things to consider. Um, I don't know if, if Bournemouth will be that fast. I think they might take a point here. Um, I, I don't know if really? trying to win... I, yeah, I really promotion. Do. Yeah, I think they will. I think, I think promotion is more important to Bournemouth than winning the title is. And I think that would be the you know the key element here in that the, the job is get them up. And actually, there was a moment, obviously, we spoke about it a couple of weeks back, Sammy, in terms of where they were in the table and how it looked, where I was like, I think Forrest are going to catch them. And, you know, fair play to, to Parker in, in some ways, because what he's done here is just steadied things. And has he got a bit lucky? Maybe. I mean, obviously, you, you look at the game against Coventry and Bournemouth score with all three of their shots, um, whereas Coventry batter them down the other end and, and and don't get anything away. I mean, that's good shot selection. It's good execution and those things can be admired. Um, it's still not particularly sustainable as a, as a kind of philosophy. So, you know, there's, there's elements of all of these things going on. Um, but I think that they would be concerned that a Fulham win here combined with a Forest win would put Forest four points behind them with each other still to play. Yes, Bournemouth's still in the in the driving seat in in many ways because it will be they'd need to Forest would need to beat them and still hope that someone else could do them a favour. But it would put the pressure right back on them in terms of who the teams chasing them were. Um, and I, I think that might be interesting just as the season progresses to see that bottle. I mean, one thing we did talk about with Parker is that at the end of that season where Fulham got into the playoffs, obviously we came back from the COVID pandemic and. It was all a bit all over the place and we lost to Leeds and then we lost to Brentford and it was like, oh, are Fulham even going to be in the top six? And then we rode it out. It wasn't always pretty, but we rode out the end of that season and got where we needed to be and then went and won the playoff final. So you know, credit needs to be given there as well that that's what Parker did at the end of that season. Um, was it the most entertaining football I've ever watched? Absolutely not. Um, did it work and get Fulham to the place they needed to be? Absolutely. Um, and it looks quite similarly like he's doing what he needs to do here to steer Bournemouth over the line. I think if you offer them a nil-nil right now, they'd take it. Classic. Um, Peter, <laughs> from a Fulham lineup perspective, obviously we're not going to put on the kids for this one. I think if you heard... That's Marcos, for Tuesday against Forest. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, a lot of people probably wouldn't mind. Um Marco's obviously going to put his strongest 11 out here. I'd be... Mostly expecting what we saw last night against Preston, maybe a, a change in midfield. He might go for Seri over Kearney. He might bring in Anthony Robinson, but it's not going to be wholesale changes. As you say, that, that speech that he did in the dressing room last night um, clearly showed that they, they haven't really been talking about it much this season, but they will now that all eyes are on the title and they know that they can secure it on, on, on Saturdays. One win and it's done. Yeah, no, the, the title is is absolutely a target. Silver's said that to press afterwards as well. Not just a target, hundred goals. They want to do. They want to reflect the season that they have had. You know, they don't want it to peter out uh, with a, with a whimper. So, 
Um, yes, in terms of lineup, I think we'll see a strong team to the end of the season. I think in one sense, it's a shame that this wasn't wrapped up sooner because of what that uh, would potentially mean for younger players getting opportunities. I don't get the impression that that's going to happen, really. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see. There are a lot of obviously there are a lot of players who are desperate for minutes. There are players who don't make senior players who don't make the matchday squad. So um, even then, it's it's a, it's a tough one. But in terms of what they want to do, in terms of the motivation, it's absolutely to to win the title. I think I think that's been talked about. I think the fact that I think Silver outlined that the fact that the team have been at the top of the table for so long. To not be to even consider not being champions is just not it's just not palatable really. So um, they they will want to get the job done. They will want to do it against the next best team. They will want to prove a point. I'm sure they will. Um, as you said, you can see that from what you told the players afterwards. And um, yeah, and, and in terms of lineup, I think we saw the fact they didn't make big changes. Something I mentioned in the in the long read about how. Silver sort of approaches things, and it's interesting in terms of the setbacks they've had. They they tend not to make knee jerk decisions or, or make big uh, alterations off the back of individual errors or individual performances. They they, they take their time. They'll consider things, Marco and, and his and his staff, um, before making changes. And that's why there's been that consistency as well. And I think that applies especially when they when players are doing well and after a performance like Tuesday night. Providing there aren't too many uh, sore heads from uh, what uh, from 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 the, the overnight disco bus, celebrations yeah. from the disco bus, yes. I found out where it was, by the way. Oh, where, where was it? it? They were in Tape, London, which is a club uh, just off Oxford Circus. Um, uh, there you have it. I believe. I believe. Anyway, that's what I've been. That's what I've been led to believe. Um, it's quite exclusive, Sammy. It's one of those, um, it's one of those fancy Mayfairy clubs. Um, they don't let the likes of you in there. No, I can't imagine they would, and probably for, for for good reason. When you said exclusive, I thought you meant like the news that you'd just broken. Exclusive. Yeah. World exclusive here on the Fulham uh, To be podcast. fair, it might, it might well be. It might well be. That might be an exclusive. So yeah, I, I, I have it on good authority that that's where they were anyway. At Sky News break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fulham were in tape nightclub. <laughs> Well, yeah, a few sore heads, as you say, Peter. It will be a bit of a challenge to, to get themselves going for this one. I feel like they might be just running on um, the, the reserve tank uh, for this game. And, and, and prob- but possibly you might see the after effects uh, come out in the Forest game on, on the Tuesday, which I'm fully adamant is going to be 3-0 to Forest, um, with not many Fulham fans caring, um, given that it could potentially uh, lead to Bournemouth. Uh, particularly if we beat Bournemouth um, as well. Uh, I imagine that it could be a, a bit of an ugly one, but we'll see what happens. If you're going and you've got a ticket on Saturday, enjoy um, what uh, an occasion it will be down on the South Coast. Fingers crossed the weather's nice. And um, if you're not going, good luck trying to get a stream. That's all I'll say uh, for trying to watch it on Saturday. going to be a little bit tricky for us in the UK to try and watch it. But where there's a will, there's a way. Right, we'll leave it there in part three. We've got a few questions and then one. Brilliant. This will catch on. 
Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins and Peter Rutzler. Right, a few questions before this will catch on. Uh, and this first one uh, is a voice question from Lucy Shomay, who is in our Telegram group. Well worth joining. Uh, the scenes in the Telegram were fun last night. Lots of people putting up photos of the pitch invasions and uh, having a jolly old time uh, celebrating Fulham's promotion. So definitely pop over there if you can. If you want to support the pod, you can get a two-week free trial. Uh, and it's always uh, a lot of fun over in the telegram that's the bonus as well by the way it's way of supporting the pod but you also get access to this telegram chat where we chat all things fulham and uh should be particularly good in the summer as well when there's lots of transfer rumours to uh, debunk uh, whether there's any uh, truth or or merits to them. But anyway, Lucy left us a question uh, in our podcast group and I was interested to get both your thoughts on this Jack and Peter. Hi Well, it's the morning after the night before. What a result. Thank God we did that because my nerves couldn't take any more. Anyway, quick question for the pod. Mitro and Cav and others always deservedly grab the headlines. But I would like to know who is your unsung hero of the season. Mine is definitely Harrison Reed. I think he just puts in a shift all the time gets on with it. It's always beavering away busily. So let me know who is your unsung hero of the season. Enjoyed beavering away busily. Uh, Chris Kamara kind of um, yeah. vibes to, to that Nice one. alliteration. <laughs> yes, very good. Um, Jack, what do you think? Um, I think probably Niskins Cabano um, for me. He's the one of the front three that gets the least airtime. Obviously, you, you know, Mitrovic's goals kept a lot of headlines. Fabio Carvalho's transfer news, as, as Lucy says. Um, and Harry Wilson has, has been a revelation. He's up, obviously, for you know, player of the season in the, in the PFA awards. And, and what we're seeing is those players get it. But I actually think that, you know, Niskins Cabano's run in the team is, I wouldn't want to say renaissance because I think that's probably a little bit unfair. He's had these runs before when he's ever been given a run of games, he's always performed. But the consistency and the belief in himself to, you know, have a go at players, I think. You know, the, the fact that what we've seen is he's taking risks. He's doing things. Okay, he loses the ball sometimes, but... We're seeing kind of that magic in his feet as well for for so much of this. And I think he's been phenomenal across the course of this season, just over there providing, even if it's not, you know, actual assists and goals, the thing he has provided is those moments of magic that unlock a defence, the the moments that actually give Fulham the numbers to make an overload, to find someone else free in space here in open space, perhaps. Um, but you're, you're mm. looking at this and thinking, how are you know these are the ones that that don't always get the numbers. It's not the assists and it's not the goals necessarily. It's the the fact that he can break a line and 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 basically mean that defence have to shift over to try and deal with him and. Some of the some of the, the moments he's had across the course of the season, the one against West Brom springs out to mind straight away where he just sent a couple of defenders packing in one sort of swift move when he basically made Millwall's left back get subbed for um, for being just too too dizzy at one point. There are <laughs> some amazing Neeskins moments. Um, and I just think that maybe with the form and the actual numbers of the other two in the front line, he sometimes goes under the radar. So Cabano for me. Peter? Yeah, no, I was going to say Niskins Cabana as well because I feel like the Unsung Hero Award is can be renamed the Harrison Reed Award, and I think he gets he he for sure has been. He's a Michael Carrick underrated player who's actually yes. not underrated because everyone calls him underrated. Yes, I think I think we're at that stage with Harrison Reed, who's been consistent throughout his time at Fulham, and and the work he does is is widely admired and well, rightly so. Um, I agree with Jack entirely about Cabana. I think he's been fantastic this season. Just the fact that, you know, he's been at Fulham for like half a decade and to have a season like this 
it, almost to show what he is capable of. He's the type of player that you, when you watch him and you see those moments, and you, you guys will know better than me, but when you watch him and you see him play and you think, oh, I wish you could do that every week. And this season, he's had a season pretty close to that. And, and that, that's, that's, that's pretty special. Um, but if I'm going to pull another name out uh, in the unsung, I would, I'll probably go with Tosin because I don't think he gets mu- as much praise as he probably should do. Um, we've, we've, Tim Ream has been outstanding this year uh, and deserves all the praise he's had this season. Um, but both he and, to- uh, and Tosin have played a, a massive role. And I think it, with Tosin, we just sort of expect it. We, just, we know how good he is. We know how good he could be as well. And I think his standards, therefore, uh, or the bar he has to reach to 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 get to get a claim, is that little bit higher. Um, so for me, Tosin, I think we saw that again last night. Um, it was very very clear what Fulham were trying to do in terms of their game plan. They were trying to isolate Cabano one on one, as Jack was saying, because Cabano one on one with a Championship defender is a nightmare for the Championship defender, and they don't normally last ninety minutes, at least, or mentally, if they don't check out. Um, but Tosin, Tosin's passing, his distribution is, is massively important. Um, I think he's stepped on more this year now that Joachim Anderson sort of has gone on and because he, he took a lot of the limelight um, last season uh, in central defence. But in terms of where Tosin can go, in terms of what he offers as a central defender, there's a lot of potential there for a, a really top talented player. Um, and he's been excellent this season. Yeah, there's been so many times this year where we've gone in and just gone, oh yeah, Tosin was brilliant. And then we kind of move on because there's not a lot more sometimes to say. I remember one of his best performances was was where St. Andrews and we even named the podcast uh, Tosin's Trillion Tackles. And it, it, rightly so, because he was just so dominant and we've yeah seen that so often. But as you say, weirdly, it's expected. I don't know why we just kind of think that Tosin will just drop these eight out of 10 performances and we kind of gloss over them and move on. Maybe it's the life of being a centre-back and actually sometimes the best centre-backs are not the ones that you notice um, too often. They're just the ones that mostly get the job done. But of course, occasionally he, he drops a clanger because he gets caught high or whatever. And then we all notice it. It's like, oh, Tosin. Oh. But I think it's because he's so good and consistent that the the, the mistakes that only occasionally drop in um, are so noticed. My only one I wanted to throw in um, for unsung hero here, Bobby Decadover reed And I really think that his value to this team is massively underrated. He gets called on to play in every single position, particularly when Fabio Carvalho went through that period um, where he was um, injured with the never-ending toe injury. Uh, He did a fantastic job kind of deputising in that number 10. He scored some great goals this season. Uh, And I did a little bit of um, maths. He has had, since the middle of January, so since the Fulham-Birmingham game, he has had one goal involvement every 123 minutes, either an assist or a goal. So he's nearly at a goal involvement once every one and a half games. And that is off off the bench mostly, occasional starts. Um, he's struggled obviously on the left wing, deputising for Cabano recently, but he's still chipping in with assists and goals. And some of those goals haven't been massively important ones. Often they're the second or third in a big win. He scored a couple of times when they've been like consolation goals, like particularly against Huddersfield. He did that against Coventry where they haven't actually meant something, but they could have massively meant something. They could have been, they, they felt about those times like game changing goals. Sadly, Fulham didn't kick on and get go and get those points, but he always digs deep. I think 
for us, Bobby, and and rarely um, gives up. Um, despite you know he'd been a bit inconsistent this year, I imagine it's been a bit disappointing after impressing in the Premier League that he hasn't got as many Championship minutes as he wants. But he's always dependable. I imagine he'll be there next season. So uh, yeah, uh, he's my shouts for unsung hero of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that role and the kind of utility man role basically lends itself to this as a point, right? Because if you can be used in so many different positions and you can be used in so many different ways and you're still finding ways to come up with with, with that many goal contributions and, and important contributions, it's always going to be one of those, especially if you're part of the bench. And I was saying this last night that I think Bobby Reed is one of those players you just want to have around the squad, you know, next season. You want to have him in and around this team. Is he going to start every week in the Premier League? Probably not. Um but ultimately, he's one of those players that I think can make the jump and especially with his versatility, um, can be a, a big player for Fulham and, and it can influence games next year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I hope that we see more of Bobby next year. OK, a couple more questions. This one's from Richard Smith, who has had a, a surprising amount of pod contributions uh, in the last few weeks. He gave Charlie Cooper the T-shirt. He named the pod um, on Monday uh, and now has uh, chipped in with a question. He starts off with, if to when to now with little arrows in between them. What a night at the cottage with three goals in the first half. It wasn't quite the drama of the playoff semi-final against Derby, but the back of the Hammersmith end was pretty loud for large parts of the game. Anyway, he's got two questions. First, what will you miss about the championship? Secondly, what are you most glad to be leaving behind in the championship? Best regards from Richard. Can I, do, can I do left behind just so I could take it away so you guys can't use it? Referees. <laughs> I thought you'd say that. <laughs> Cannot wait to see the back of them. The standard gap. I don't, I don't, I, I really don't like overly criticising my I'll sound like Marco Silva here a little bit. Um, I don't like to, I don't think, because it's such a difficult, it is a difficult job and it's, I know that from personal experience having done it and drifted away from it because you get so much crap because people see what they see on TV and reflect it on your Sunday Sunday League official, and there is a crisis in the number of referees that there are at grassroots levels, and that affects everyone, especially the game as a whole. However, that said, the standards in the championship aren't plainly just aren't good enough. Um, I, it's, I, I even going from most games, it's 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 one of those things where I don't I, you don't want to just sort of pick out referee decisions, but it's so consistent that the, the big calls get missed, and even little ones in terms of game management, how you manage a game, how you're managing players on the field um and there's it, always an easy stick to beat with, with referees but i think that it's, it is such uh such an issue that in the second division one of the best leagues in europe has this has has a below standards of officiating for the level of play that it it needs to adjudicate it, it's it's a concern because then you look further down the leagues and it gets worse it gets much worse so um more investment and more love for the referees overall, I think, is is needed from from authorities, and I'm looking forward to VAR. And what will you miss? The trips, the travel. I actually really enjoyed it. Loads of new grounds for me. Um, loads of new places. Um, seeing parts of the country I wouldn't otherwise see. And uh, yeah, I've really valued that. Um, tasting the different pies. Um, yeah, that that's probably what I'll I'll miss the most. Yeah, I think I can uh, agree with those. Jack, any uh, left field suggestions? I feel like Peter's definitely uh, taken the uh, the best two out of um, out of that. But any others that you want to throw in? Yeah, I'll miss taking six points off QPR. 
Um, yes, I'll miss like, that too. I, I think we might need them next year as well. Just really hoping they'd come up because it's a guaranteed six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big thing, isn't it? Um, oh, I will. I will miss that derby. I like that derby. There's something about Fulham and QPR and, and going to Loftus Road. Obviously, it's a hole, but like ultimately, I will miss it. I, I, I like. I really enjoy that day out. I enjoy that idea of crossing the Uxbridge Road, all of it. Like, there's something about Fulham and QPR. I think, especially because the period of, of where I sort of really started going, you know, to Fulham on my own and with my brother and my friends, it coincided with that period where Fulham and QPR were relatively level. And therefore, it felt like the, you know, derby in terms of that you could win, but was still really important. So I will actually miss Queen's Park Rangers. Um, that's, uh, that's something I didn't think you were going to see it for me today, but ultimately that's where we are. But mostly the six points, mostly the six points. I think my two are, I will miss almost the lack of analysis in the championship. There is something quite annoying about the Premier League where Fulham starts getting spoken a lot, but not in great detail and often as a footnote, which is actually more aggravating than just not being spoken about at all. I almost like sometimes the anonymity of just the random championship three o'clock game. There's too many games for people really to focus in on. You're often just a footnote at the bottom of articles, but I quite like that sometimes because you don't kind of get like half-baked takes on various radio stations um, that are mostly just there to wind you up. So I will miss that. What What do you mean? That's just the second tier podcast. Not just them, not just them. Um, what do you mean, half-baked takes? <laughs> they're not the only ones. Um, what I won't miss is all of the bloody... There's something about championship clubs and attendances and atmosphere and singing and all of that that it just seems to be endless and infuriating and pointless debate over how many fans... Blackpool took to Birmingham on a Wednesday night and how Stoke took more, but how Coventry went to Norwich uh, and and took three more than, I don't know, Luton did to Southampton on a Wednesday. I know I've mentioned two Premier League teams there, but there just seems to be a constant um, comparison of fans, which I don't think is quite there in the Premier League. I think generally Premier League fan bases, mostly because most of them sell out, don't really care or seem to compare uh, compare it as much. And maybe it was because Fulham is the big fish in the small ponds. And so we were always had high expectations. And obviously because it's Fulham and it's not a massive club, couldn't always deliver to it. So I'd be quite happy just to be out of the kind of the, uh, the slanging match that is constant on Twitter over that. So they're my two things. Right. Uh, this will catch on uh, for today. Just one for you. Uh, this is the part of the show where people send in their chance and we rate them or slate them. Please send them to hello at fullamish.co.uk. I see people kind of like tweet the podcast, tweet me. They get lost in the ether. I miss them. I can't find them again because they get lost to Twitter. If you email them, I'll play them. So please email it. Don't tweet it or whatever because it just gets lost and missing and I never find it again. This one is from Matthew Morris. He says, hi, Fulhamish. On a drive to my mother-in-law's for Easter yesterday, I plugged my iPhone into the car in the middle of a this will catch on segment with my wife in the car. 
I had previously thought best to leave the men singing about their favourite footballers part of my life unexposed, but she thought the segment was hilarious and encouraged me to submit one. After some workshopping, we settled on the following. Yes, it's obvious and extremely monotone. Please enjoy my Fulham-tinged parody rendition of Simon and Garfunkel's classic Mrs. Robinson in honour of our favourite acrobat and would-be Milan left-back Anthony Robinson. I forgot about the Milan thing. No one mentions that in the championship either. That's one thing I won't miss about the championship. That only seems to be in the Premier League uh, that people mention this. So Matthew, thank you for sending this in. And boys, I will get your thoughts afterwards. And here's to you, Jedi Robinson. Silva loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A backflip, please, Mr. Robinson. (laughs) Hammersmith slams will go on for days. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Well, uh, I enjoyed the uh, backflip, please, Mr. Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) I can say that about it. Um, I enjoyed that. Um. Oh, I, I did karaoke with my friends on Monday on Saturday night and none of them could sing. And I sat there like basically with my head in my hands and I feel like I'm just doing the same. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's not got a tune. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the backflip, please, Mr. Robinson. I will say that. I think it's overdue that we had an uh, Anthony Robinson song to Mrs. Robinson. Someone yeah, no, 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 no. I think someone, someone I, had to take one for the team. The concept and the concept, good. Some of the lyrics, pretty good. The execution, less good. That's, <laughs> it was a bit Derby away, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I, I I'm just, sorry, I Matthew. I'm, 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 I'm a snob. I'm a musical snob. I get it. I'm, I'm not. I just. It's getting worse, Jack. It's getting worse every week. Honestly, I'm getting. No, it's yeah. I mean, one the you know the obviously the syllable police. But also just, uh, I, yeah, I think maybe that would have been better without a backing track. It would have. I think it was fine. My only criticism is I didn't like Jedi Mm. Robinson. Like, this is not a thing. Like, I know. I I, I shout Jedi. I genuinely, this is. I know it's his nickname, but no one's going to sing that in the stands. I think he said it. I think he said it in a, in a US uh, press conference that he wants to be called Jedi Robinson. Or doesn't mind being called Jedi Robinson. Yeah, he likes it. I think. I'm not sure. hundred percent sure, but I'm 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 okay with that. That bit's all right. It's just, yeah, I, yeah, just a tuning for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, it's all about the execution. Yeah. Basically, Matthew just needs to go get some singing lessons and yeah. it might be okay. Give me a cover of like Anna Kendrick doing that in Pitch Perfect and I'll be happy as Larry. Right. Okay. Well, Matt and Mo, uh, who I believe is your wife, thank you for sending it in. Very, very funny indeed. And a nice way to round off today's promotion podcast. I can't believe we're doing it again. I pray that this is the last time for a while that we do a going up from the championship to the Premier League podcast. Jack, this must be your third time as well, being on this very pod after yep. after promotion confirmed. Yeah, I mean, the first time 
obviously amazing because it was the, the first time since 2001 and obviously we'd gone through a bit of a tough spell in the championship. Second time amazing because we beat Brentford. Third time amazing because it is an automatic place and and that's pretty special as well. Let's go on and be champions and, and everyone will be very happy. I think that's three excellent, excellent seasons for very different reasons, right? And I think that that's a, that's a cool thing to be a part of. It's not like Fulham have done it the same way three times and it's been plain sailing. These have been three very different campaigns. And and so they were all enjoyable in their own right. Yeah, 100%. All unique in their own way. But this one, for me, the most enjoyable of the lot, just to do it at home, um, you know, with such an emphatic win, with such a brilliant team. Slightly different, as you say, maybe the exuberance of the Aston Villa win and the kind of shock of the Brentford one, uh, slightly different. But this one, for me, uh, the definitely cherry on top in terms of the three promotions. Peter, your first promotion podcast um, and hopefully your last as well. But thank you for being on. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. What a year it's been. I'm delighted to have my, my uh, reputation laundered. And uh, looking forward to, to, to next season. It's and, not the and, phrase I would have used, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make anything out of Peter the mid-tabler? Is, is, is that possible? What's your middle name? <laughs> yeah, is it like... No, maybe, maybe Is it Maurice? Maurice? Like... No, no, my, my, my middle name is Kashmir. So... Um, uh, what? Yeah, wow. yeah, very unexpected. No, a little addition for the pod. Yeah, that is my. my and you haven't show. submitted us a Led Zeppelin classic for this will catch on yet. Um, <laughs> I wait I with bated <laughs> breath, my friend. Wow, I've never heard someone with a middle name Kashmir. That is, um, that's the best nugget at the end of the pod ever. All right, if anyone's got an, uh, a survivor kind of piece of the survivor, but that they can come up with, um, that would be much appreciated. Just before we finish, Jack, what would you like to name the podcast? I think we're going to have to go with Matt Pollard and now, not when. Yeah, I think it is the right name. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your podcast name. Very, very fitting. I just had a thought, Sammy. Yeah. Can we make Peter Rutzler the Remainer? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Or Peter the Persister. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Rutzler the Remainer has slight Brexit connotations to it. I mean, <laughs> I guess, but it works. It does. It survives. It's just about. Uh, I think we can work. I think we can get better, but I think as a workshopping front, it's a good start. Good Pers- start. Persevering Peter. <laughs> Persevering Pete. Yeah. Persevering Pete might be the one. That might oh, be the wonderful. that might be the tricky one. Right. Let's hope let's hope we can let's hope we can improve on these suggestions. Yeah. I think we can, but it's a good start, Jack. Uh have a great weekend. Fingers crossed we can all but secure the title against Bournemouth on Saturday and we'll be back on Sunday reviewing everything that happens at the Vitality. But until then, you whites. You whites!